Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. We record the Thursday before. Uh, It has been a crazy season, but here we are. You know, the Super Bowl is going on. We we have gone through the entire full season. All the games were played, even though some games were in jeopardy. And for an average football fan, this is the best time of the year. I'm going to bring in my partner and, and co-host, Ed Hunt, right now. Ed, a lot of Super Bowl storylines out there. Which storyline piques your interest the most? Well, I mean, I think I think the fact that this is the first Super Bowl where one team is kind of the de facto home team I mean they might not officially put them as the home team but I mean they're playing their game in their home stadium you know I I would assume that the majority of the people in that crowd will be Tampa Bay Bucks fans I mean I'm sure there's going to be you know a lot of people there who are just fans of football and just want to watch Super Bowl and you know there will be some Chiefs fans I mean Chiefs fan Chief Nation is a big thing and you know they're gonna they're gonna represent themselves but I mean relatively this is this is kind of like a home game for the Tampa Bay Bucks. We've never had that before this is the first time a team hosting the Super Bowl is in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady you know we knew the Tampa Bay Bucks were gonna be good you and I believed that they were a playoff team but in all honesty you and I didn't pick the Bucks to be in the Super Bowl looking at the at the entire picture they have exceeded our expectations yeah they they really have i mean what i i think is impressive about this tampa bay bucks team is that you know they put together a lot of talent and they kind of did it all in the first year it's just Sometimes I feel like with these teams that put together a lot of talented names and I mean like the you know Anta Antonio Brown's your slot receiver and just you know just some egos and stuff like that but really this team has really gelled. I mean this team has really gelled together and to be honest with you I mean I'm going to say this I mean I know the Chiefs are the favorite and they won the Super Bowl last year but my pick is my pick is with the Bucks. I mean this is this team is resilient. I mean, I think there's just there's just a, a bunch of factors that we can kind of get into that actually lead me to believe that I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Bovada Sportsbook has Kansas City as a three point favorite versus the Bucks in the Super Bowl. No surprise that Kansas City is the favorite here, a small favorite because they're going for that repeat championship. They're trying to get. And they're trying to win another Super Bowl two years in a row. Obviously, Andy Reid got the, the monkey off his back. Patrick Mahomes captured his first Super Bowl. But Tom Brady has been here before. He's won six of them. He's been here. This is his 10th time being in the Super Bowl. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Well, in my lifetime, I don't think we'll ever see that again because it's so hard not only to get into the playoffs, but to win it. And he has done it time and time again. So what makes you think? Like, what are the keys for this game uh, when it comes to the Bucks? Why do you think they have the advantage? And why do you think they're going to win on Sunday? 
I think I think number one factor is is that when you when you talk about the quarterback matchup, I mean both teams have great quarterbacks, right? Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. I mean this is this is what makes this an awesome Super Bowl is that you've got two great quarterbacks who. But you know the thing is is that Brady just throughout his career has always done really well in situational football and in big moments. I mean I think that's what makes Brady great is that I mean I always say like you know give me th- you know three timeouts and two minutes and Tom Brady with the ball last and I'm going to win, you know, I just, I just, I just feel that way about the way Brady plays. And, and there's some other things too. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that the Bucks just have a better all around team. I think they have a better defense than the Chiefs. I mean, yes, the Chiefs has Chris Jones, but I mean, overall, I mean, I, I think there's just more talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball for the Bucks. I mean, you know, you got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I mean, you know, as your receivers, uh, Rob Gronkowski. Like, I mean, Leonard Fournette has really stepped up lately. I mean, there's just there's just a lot of you know they're running on all cylinders right now. And so, to be honest with you, I th- I think they have a better roster. I think they have a quarterback who can win in situational football. And you know what? Brady really just does want to win this Super Bowl. I mean, you can just see the the smirk on his face when you talk to him about him and I think the Super Bowl is special to him because number one it'll be number seven where he will he will have more Super Bowls than any other franchise in football I mean that is quite a feat if he wins the Super Bowl he is the greatest quarterback of all time and he won despite not having Belichick well sure he's got a chip on his shoulder because the the Patriots well at least the narrative out there is that they got rid of him they didn't want him anymore they were willing to move on they thought he was past his prime and here he is he came to the bucks he provided leadership he added a, a calming presence i mean the bucks had great weapons last year right well minus gronkowski and antonio brown who joined and leonard fournette but overall i mean they had mike evans they had chris godwin and Jameis winston couldn't do what brady has done he led them to the to the super bowl here and and bruce arians is once again chasing that that ultimate game that has kind of eluded him. He's been here before, one time before with the Arizona Cardinals. You make a good point, but I just think the Chiefs are a better team. Like, who's going to stop Tyreek Hill? Like, are they going to double him? Because in the first game that they played during the regular season, Tyreek Hill had over 200 receiving yards in the first quarter. Because Todd Bowles decided to leave Carlton Davis out there on Tyreek Hill, and he just burned him. If the Bucks are going to risk it like that, and if they're not able to get pressure with their down four defensive linemen, if they're going to blitz quite a bit, uh, Mahomes is just, take them apart. Look, the Bucks' defense is good. And against the Packers, they forced a lot of pressure. They had like, I think, five sacks and, um, and 12 hurries, I believe. And this was Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, Shaq Barrett, who had that. And the Chiefs have problems on the offensive line. They have both of their offensive tackles, starting offensive tackles, out. They're going to have backups. That's going to be probably the toughest part. But you forget one thing. Mahomes does better than anyone in the NFL, period, at eluding pressure and getting away from it, improvising, and still keeping those eyes downfield and finding his weapons. And even if they're going to cover Tyreek Hill, if they're going to double it like Belichick has done in previous years um, when the Patriots played the Chiefs, he would take away Tyreek Hill. You have Travis Kelsey over the middle. 
I mean, you can't leave him open. What, are you going to put him on a linebacker? Nobody could cover him. I just think the weapons. Patrick Mahomes is a greater weapon at this point than Tom Brady. And I just think Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey too much to handle. And when it will come down to the fourth quarter, I, I think the Chiefs will come out on top. I always say it's tough to dethrone a champion. If anybody could do it, it's this Bucks team and they're motivated. No question about it. Brady is not going to be faced by anything. But I just I get the feeling that the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes will win their their second Super Bowl in a row. And it, it's going to be dramatic. I think it's going to be a huge scoring game. I don't think either defense will be able to to keep the offenses down. Uh, Bavada, the total on this game, the over and under, is 56 points. You think it's going to be way over that? Are we going to see a high-scoring Super Bowl here? I do think it's going to be a high-scoring Super Bowl. I think that high number of 56 is a good number. But you know what? I, I am going to say I do think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a very good Super Bowl. I mean, you know, not every year do we have such a good Super Bowl matchup. But, I mean, this is I, – I, I'm thinking about the past, like, five years – I think this is maybe my favorite Super Bowl, just like the idea of it, the way the way I kind of imagined how the Super Bowl will go. I think this will be one of the better Super Bowls of the last five years. I hope it lives up to that because obviously the expectations are great. We we had that great Super Bowl where the Patriots were upset by the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought that was great because nobody gave the Eagles a chance. I thought last year's Super Bowl was really good because the 49ers had an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter and then the Chiefs made a couple of explosive plays I, I still see Sammy Watkins in my sleep he, he made a couple of plays and the Chiefs pulled out that win uh, Garoppolo wasn't able to to march the 49ers down the field but I thought we had a good Super Bowl last year with with a lot of drama I hope this one lives up to it as well I just think the key is going to be this if the Chiefs are going to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes, which is a big if at this point because both of the offensive tackles are out, if JPP and Shaq Barrett are able to get pressure, I mean, any quarterback, including Mahomes, is going to feel rattled. And the the Bucks secondary, which has played well, especially in the second half of the year, uh, I think they're, they're going to have some of those opportunities. But fantastic matchup. I hope it lives up to the billing. You always have these great expectations. You're looking at it on paper, and you're like, my God, these offenses are going to be somewhere in the 40s. Um, you know, We've got the, the two greatest quarterbacks in the game right now. I wanted to ask you this. I'm, I'm curious. Are a lot of your friends, a lot of your acquaintances, are they rooting for Tom Brady, even though they might not be you know, Patriot fans or they're not Tom Brady fans? I mean, where do they stand on this? And are you rooting for Tom Brady in this Super Bowl? Uh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of my family uh, lives on the East Coast and... Uh, that you know they're from New England, so they're Patriots fans, and then they moved to Florida. A lot of my family moved to Florida. <laughs> you know Tampa is nearby, so yeah, they're rooting for Tom Brady. Um, I'm actually I'm actually just rooting for Tom Brady, just because I think Mahomes won last year, and I I, I don't like to see the same team win over over and over again. Um, you know, just as a fan of football, I mean. I know, I know, I mean, I mean, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and like, you know, Brady has always been the enemy, but you know, I, I just, it's just hard not to respect the heck out of the guy. I mean, he's, he's a class act. He works hard. 
He's won big games. He's, you know, he's hated in the AFC among AFC fans. But, you know, the NFL couldn't really ask for a better, a better example. I mean, just, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a person, certainly he's had, he's had some, you know, smaller off the field issues, but I mean, he's relatively kept it together. I mean, and you know, he, he's just, he, he just prepares, he works hard. I mean, I have an admiration for that kind of Patriot way. I mean, that Mike Tomlin will probably be my favorite coach because I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I mean, I, I've always just really had an admiration for Bill Belichick. I've always thought, you know, he was kind of like that interesting, that interesting character in the NFL. And I think he makes the, the NFL story just that much more interesting. Well, it looks like Bill can't do it without Tom, Ed. I mean, maybe that whole Bill Belichick, Patriot way, maybe it had a lot to do with Tom Brady. Where do you stand on this when it comes to that argument? <laughs> um, I, I, used to be, I used to be the Belichick. I used to be on the Belichick bandwagon. And I, I, I told my stepbrother that I would acknowledge that he and he, he said that it was Brady, and I, I said it was, I said it was Belichick, and I, I have to, I have to just admit on the air. Shout out to my stepbrother. He was right. I was wrong. Brady is the one who won. Who is the winner of those two? All right, let's make it official. What's your stepbrother's name and uh, first name and last name? We're not giving away birthdays. We're not giving away cities where they live. I mean, let's get a, like an, an official shout-out. Right it's, it's my shout-out to my stepbrother, Anthony Coletta, for calling it out, being right over me on the Bel- Brady Belichick. He's a Patriots fan, so he's a little bit of a role model for me. So um, He's a little bit older than me, and yeah, he's he's just a nice guy. Bovada has the MVP odds out for the Super Bowl, and it is no surprise that Mahomes is the lead dog here, minus 120. I'm sure the NFL has its own agenda. They realize that Mahomes can still win a few more Super Bowls in his lifetime. They want this for Tom Brady. I mean, this would be like a, a dream come true. Like I've already mentioned, it's been a crazy season with COVID and everything surrounding Uh, You know, the entire world, the entire U.S. Brady gives people hope. (laughs) And if he wins it on Super Bowl Sunday, call it what you want. you got to respect it. You hate him or you like him. It it doesn't really matter. If he wins, I mean, it's... It will be a feat because we've never had a 43-year-old quarterback being in a Super Bowl. If he wins it, the entire world is going to blow up. So I'm rooting for him. My heart says, Tom Brady, I'm rooting for him, and I want the Bucks to win. But my, my head says it's going to be Patrick Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs that are hoisting that, that Super Bowl tr- trophy on Sunday. So I anticipate that this is going to be a crazy offseason as well. And it has already started uh, with a couple of quarterbacks being traded for one another. The Los Angeles Rams get their man they traded for Matthew Stafford and they gave away their starting quarterback Jared Goff to the Detroit Lions they gave up a third round pick in this year's draft and they gave out they gave up a first round pick in 2022 and 2023 they obviously gave up on Jared Goff they believe Stafford can take him to the promised land 
and that is the Super Bowl next year, and not only get there, but win it. I mean, that that's the hope for Sean McVay. Who do you think won this trade? Is Do you think it's a win-win situation for both teams, or do you think one team clearly won this trade? I, I, I think this is, this is a win-win for both sides, and this is what I've been saying on Twitter. When you look at it like both sides win, you know, the fact of the matter is is that Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. What the 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 Los Angeles Rams have been missing past couple years is that Super Bowl franchise quality quarterback. So now you got Matt Stafford in the fold, you got Sean McVay, and you've got a team around him, you got the roster. So they have at least positioned themselves from a roster standpoint to be a Super Bowl worthy team. I would like to see them bolster their offensive line in the draft. I mean there are there are some there are some loose ends that they have to tie up, but for the for the most part they've they've got a good core group. And then when you look at it from the Detroit side, I mean they have a fallback option if they don't want to draft a quarterback, but they also have the draft capital if they want to go out and get, you know, one of these top 4 quarterbacks in this draft class who who a lot of them I like, you know, they can do that. And they basically, you know, Matt Stafford, they worry that he's aging and, you know, it just hasn't worked. And this has really helped them, you know, rebuild. So they got some draft picks. They got some draft capital. They've got Jared Goff. And you know what? If you go out if you go out and spend some draft capital and go out and get a quarterback, you can trade Jared Goff to somebody else, get some value there, and then you've, and, and then you've got some picks there. And so, to be honest with you, I think it's a win-win for both sides. I think both teams, I mean, they basically traded, you know, the, the the Rams want to win now. You know what I mean? Aaron Donald has only so many years, right? You need to get it in the in the prime of Aaron Donald. At the same time, the, the, the Detroit Lions, they need to rebuild. Quite obvious what's going on here. I mean, obviously, Sean McVay and, and Les Snead and that organization just basically gave up on Jared Goff. They made him the, the scapegoat in this situation. They basically said that he's the problem. We need to get him out. We made a mistake which is pretty clear-cut here. Uh, the front office was dangling Jared Goff for whatever. I mean, they certainly overpaid. I mean, even if these two first-round picks in the future are going to be in the 20s, they still overpaid because they needed to get Jared Goff off the books. Les Snead likes to play high-stakes poker because... They draft well, and they have drafted well overall. I mean, if you look at what they've done with this organization here, but they've given out some really bad contracts. I mean, they locked up Todd Gurley, and then a year later, they realized that he was a broken man, and he was injured. He was never going to be the same, so they cut him loose. They ate a lot of dead money on that. Then last offseason, they traded Brandon Cooks, they, they took a cap hit, almost $22 million when they traded him to the Houston Texans. Now they take another cap hit here with another $22 million by getting rid of Jared Goff. So the Rams have had a real problem handing out contracts and then realizing that they made a mistake a year or two later. The only problem that I have with this is that when Sean McVay came on board, he had to kind of resurrect Jared Goff's career. And he did that. Uh, he led the Rams to the Super Bowl, and Goff was good enough to take him there. I mean, this is a quarterback that has thrown, I think, for like over 3,800 yards the last four seasons. Call it what you want. It's a QB-friendly system, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy performed aside from those turnovers and some bad games that he's had. But what has happened? 
Like he led them to the Super Bowl two years ago. They handed him the big contract over a hundred million a year and a half ago. What has happened? I mean, why have you soured on this guy? Is he just a bad dude? Is he not willing to work hard? Is he, do you think he's not a Super Bowl bound quarterback? Because obviously, two years ago, he proved that he was. I think the Rams don't know how to evaluate their own pieces, the guys that they have on the roster, guys that they should know better than other teams out there. Where do you stand on this? Do you still feel that Jared Goff can can bounce back and resurrect his career with the Detroit Lions? Because he's 26 years old, Ed, and it sounds like if you're listening to the Rams that they feel that he's washed up. I, I, I wouldn't take such a – I wouldn't take a, such a – extreme view on it i I think this is the what they said was that you know we can get an upgrade with matthew stafford i think what i think that the problem was is that the the rams were stuck in mediocre quarterback land you need a good quarterback to win the super bowl i think matthew stafford puts them in a super bowl contender category whereas i think like a guy like jared goff is is kind of like that mediocre quarterback land and to be honest with you, when when you have a mediocre quarterback, you really have to rely on your defense, and you have to rely on the players around you. I I actually think this is actually just a good chess move by uh, Sean McVay. I don't I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's a big slight at Jared Goff. Well, it sounds like the relationship has been broken. If you listen to uh, those radio stations, if you listen to some of these TV shows when they're talking about it, it sounds like Goff's and McVay's relationship has soured over the past year. The coach basically gave up on the player. You know, I used to listen to those press conferences with Sean McVay before, and McVay always took responsibility for the loss. Like, he was always saying, it's my fault that we lost. Always. And then there was one particular game that he basically threw Goff under the bus. He said it was my quarterback's fault. I I don't know what to do with him. We're going to get better when we come in next week. I don't know if this was like a, a motivational type of thing. He was trying to inspire him. But it certainly didn't work because it seemed like as the season progressed, he relied on Goff less and less. He featured the running game. He tried to give him those easy passes. They kind of eliminated the deep ball completely. And you know that they have those weapons with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. We'll find out what Matthew Stafford is made of because he's been on a bad Lions team. He's never won the NFC North division. He's never won a playoff game. But you can't hold that against him because the Lions weren't very good. So now he's getting the keys to a, a really good offense, which is headed by Sean McVay. They have a promising rookie uh, running back in Cam Akers. They had a good offensive line, which was in the top five this year. They bounced back in 2020. They have Woods. They have Cooper Cup. They have a good defense, even though they lose Brandon Staley to the Chargers. They still have the pieces with Ramsey and Donald. They still have those guys. So we're going to find out what Matthew Stafford is made of because he finally gets the pieces. He finally has the players on offense. And we'll see if McVay was right about Jared Goff. But here's another thing in this narrative. The Lions, they just hired a GM who used to work for the Rams. His name is Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes was the director of college football scouting. In 2016, when they took Jared Goff number one overall, Holmes was in charge of that because he was the one that sold the front office on him. 
right? Because he's the one scouting players. He's the director of that. And it's interesting that he didn't think that Jared Goff was a broken down man. He was willing to accept those picks and Goff in this process. And he knows him as well as anybody because he's worked in the Rams organization for the past 18 years. I thought that was a really interesting piece. Sneed and McVeigh have soured on him, but the guy who basically pushed for him in that draft before McVeigh got there, he accepted him with the Detroit Lions. So obviously Brad Holmes, the new GM, believes that Jared Goff is a good quarterback. And it sounds like everything that has been coming out of the Detroit Lions organization, they're basically saying this. Goff is our man. We're not going to take a quarterback in this draft. They don't think he's a bridge guy, but I don't think they're taking a quarterback in the top 10. And it's going to be interesting how they obviously build those pieces around him, but it seems like the, the head coach that they hired and Dan Campbell, the offensive coordinator that they hired and Anthony Lynn, it seems like they're going to run the football. They're going to depend on the rushing attack and Goff is going to be sitting pretty and just using those play action passes, which he's good at, rolling out of the pocket and getting him out there in those comfortable situations. And you know the arm strength isn't going to be a problem in those home games because the, the Lions play inside in a dome. The coaching staff, it seems like, gave up on him, but then the guy who picked him, he obviously feels a lot different. He feels that Goff is the future with the Detroit Lions, and I'm not saying he's giving him an upgrade over Matthew Stafford, but the Lions feel good uh, moving forward with Goff. This offseason, I think, is going to be a lot different than what we've seen in previous years because the Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff trade is just the beginning. It sounds like the situation with the Houston Texans is beyond repair at this point. Deshaun Watson wants out. He's not feeling it anymore. Even with Bill O'Brien gone, even with the new head coach coming in, David Culley from the Baltimore Ravens, he feels betrayed by this organization. He feels that he doesn't want to put up with this rebuild, rebuilding project that they have going on there. He's not feeling the Patriot way anymore. They hired a GM from the Patriots. They still have Jack Easterby running the organization, it seems like. I'm going to pose this question to you. What do you think? I mean, what, what do you think is the perfect landing spot for Deshaun Watson? And what is it going to take to trade for him? I mean, are we talking about like what? three, four, five first-round picks? Are you going to have to, like, mortgage your future like we see in the NBA? Gosh, to say the perfect landing spot and what I think are the realistic landing spots, I mean, there's a disconnect there. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the perfect landing spot. Like, you're looking at some teams that are in need of quarterbacks, and there are plenty of them. I mean, there's, like, I think Carolina is in there. San Francisco is, is not happy with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Jets, the Miami Dolphins, there are plenty of teams out there, maybe even the Denver Broncos. Which team do you think is the perfect landing spot for Watson? Which team do you think is the realistic option for him? Well, I think the perfect landing spot for him, and I know this is very convenient for me, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have the defense in place. They have the coach in place. They have, you know, the all, all the things around him. And so, you know, Deshaun Watson could take over for Ben Roethlisberger. That would just continue a lot of success for them. All right, let's continue. I didn't expect that the Steelers were going to be thrown out there. I just, I didn't think you were going to be a homer here. All right, Mr. Hunt, put you in the GM chair. 
I'm Nick Casario, and I'm like, I'm willing to do that deal. Are you willing to part ways with TJ Watt? And are you willing to part ways with Chase Claypool? And then I'll take three first-round picks in 2021, 2022, and 2023. Are you willing to do that deal? And I don't want Big Ben in return, by the way. Uh, no, I'm not doing that deal. <laughs> well, then I hang up the phone, Mr. Hunt, because I'm not doing that deal either. I definitely want the best defensive player on the the Steelers squad. And to me, TJ Watt is a guy vying for the defensive um, you know, defensive MVP this year. I- I'm taking him. He's the first name on my spot out there. And then I'm probably going to take a young wide receiver. I mean, Chase Claypool is a, is a good name to start with. I want a couple of starters on my, you know, poor Houston Texans team. I know I'm not going to get them all in the 2021 NFL draft. And then forget about second, third round picks. Look, I have Deshaun Watson here, who is in the in the prime of his career. He's 25 years old. Look at the numbers that he's put up. I mean, any team would be lucky to have him. So I'm taking three first-round picks. If Matthew Stafford, if the Rams gave up for Matthew Stafford two first-round picks, future first-round picks, I need to get at least three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. I, I think a, a real like contender in all this is the uh, New York Jets. Because, I mean, the New York Jets could throw something like they could give up the number two pick. Uh, they could give you Sam Darnold. And maybe, you know, I mean, throw in some other pieces, maybe a third-round pick, maybe a couple defensive players. And I think the Jets it makes the most sense, you know, especially with a new coach and a new regime. You know, I mean, I mean, one place that would be kind of good for Deshaun Watson, I mean, he might like is like somewhere like... Miami, you know, is Miami willing to part with Tua Tung Viola? Do they like Tua Tung Viola going forward, or you know, do they want to do they do they want to go with the more sure thing? Hell yeah, I'm taking Deshaun Watson if if I'm Miami. Are you kidding me? I'm Miami. I'm still figuring out whether Tua can be can lead me to the Super Bowl, can be that franchise quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a sure thing. If I'm the Jets and the Miami Dolphins, sure, I'm. I'm picking up the phone and I'm I'm giving up almost anything. The Jets have two first round picks in this year's draft. I think it's the second and I think it's the twenty-third. And then I'm I'm willing to throw in another first round pick like next year as well. And I'm sure they're gonna have to be a couple of day two picks involved there as well. The Miami Dolphins also have two first round picks. They got a, a third overall pick and they have the eighteenth overall pick. And maybe, you know, there are rumors out there that the Houston Texans want a couple of defensive players in return because I'm sure they know that not only is Deshaun Watson getting traded, but J.J. Watt isn't going to return either. So this is a complete rebuild out here. If I'm the Houston Texans, I know I have like one of the best quarterbacks in the game, a top five quarterback in the game. I'm trying to get as much as I can. I'm not Bill O'Brien here. I mean, Bill O'Brien is willing to give up DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick because, hey, I got tired of his antics. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm holding Deshaun Watson hostage here. I'm trying to get the best deal possible for the the Texans organization. But I do think that this is beyond repair. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I just they have to move on. And uh, the Stafford-Goff trade is a really good indication in terms of the, the asking price. Deshaun Watson is a much younger quarterback, and he's a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. 
I just I think you have to just aim for the sky and and hope it comes out. But I think those two landing spots make a lot of sense, like the Jets and the Dolphins, because they can also offer the quarterbacks in a return, even though it's not perfect. But, hey, they're still offering Sam Darnold and Tua. And the Texans have something to work with because both guys were first-round picks in their respective draft. I'm also taking picks in return. I don't see Deshaun Watson playing another snap for the Houston Texans next season. And I think other quarterbacks are going to follow as well. I mentioned the 49ers. They're not happy with Jimmy G. And there have been some some rumblings out there that maybe, maybe, and Kyle Shanahan used to coach this quarterback at Washington— Maybe Kirk Cousins will be involved in there because it seems like Kyle Shanahan likes him a lot better than than Jimmy G. This quarterback carousel is going to con- continue this offseason. In this league, I mean, we're seeing it with Mahomes and Brady. They're in the Super Bowl, right? You can't get to the Super Bowl with a mediocre quarterback any longer. I don't think you're going to see many, you know, Trent Dilfers leading the Super Bowl, even if you have an elite defense. You got to have a franchise type of guy, and I think both the Jets and the Dolphins realize that. I just want to throw in one scenario. I, I think a real, a real like possibility. I think is Denver. I mean, Denver has been desperate to get a quarterback, and I mean, if if they can somehow be able to keep Von Miller and you know be able to get a guy like you know keep that defense somewhat intact, and then get a guy like Deshaun Watson. I mean, the, the, the Broncos have missed on so many quarterbacks in the draft. I mean, it's almost like it makes sense, you know, Deshaun Watson would be that quick fix for them. I would trade, you know, I would maybe even consider giving up three first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson if I'm on the Broncos. Because, I mean, think about how many first-round picks they've already wasted on, on, uh, for, uh, on quarterbacks already. I've pissed off a lot of Denver Broncos fans already on this podcast, and I'll guess... I'll continue to piss them off. It's just, it's, it's who I am. <laughs> I don't want any part of Drew Locke. I really don't. If the Jets are on the phone or the Miami Dolphins are on the phone, I'm willing to take Sam Darnold. I'm willing to take Tua. Like, I think their prospects are a little bit brighter, in my opinion, under the right system. They need a fresh start, or at least Sam Darnold does. I don't want any part of Drew Locke in that conversation. I mean, I'd be willing to take that that top 10 pick that the Denver Broncos have and maybe use it on a quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft. But if I'm the Houston Texans, if if the conversation starts with, we'll give you Drew Locke and a couple of first-round picks, I hang up the phone. Because I don't want to be if, part What of if that. they're they willing to give Drew three first-round picks? Like, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm the Denver GM... I give up three first-round picks and go get Deshaun Watson. I don't envision a Broncos-Texans trade with Drew Locke involved. I don't think I don't think the Texans that's what they want. The Texans can get first-round picks from like the Broncos, and then they can go up and get a quarterback themselves. Well, absolutely. I think the Broncos have the ninth overall pick. I yeah, think the, be that, that number the, nine the... pick would be in that in the, in the trade I'm envisioning. You're going to have to give me that second round pick, that 40th pick. And then we're talking about three more first round picks in 2022, 23, and 24. I I don't think I'm going to take Von Miller just because he's coming off an injury. So I'm not sure that I want to invest on that. He's a great player. I'm sure he's going to come back healthy. But I'll probably take somebody like Bradley Chubb. 
uh, in return, just because I think he is a younger version, and I think I can do something out there with Houston Texans 3-4 defense. It would be a good fit. Uh, according to Bovada, the, the college football odds, they're out, and we've got Alabama plus 275. They are the lead dog in this to, to win it all next season. Clemson is the second team, plus 400. I was surprised that the Georgia Bulldogs hold the number three spot, plus 450, and Ohio State is plus six, 650. I'm surprised the Sooners are not in the top four because I think the Sooners are just better off here moving forward. And uh, I, I, I thought they that. deserved to be in the top two or three. I mean, they have their quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and he looks like an early favorite for the Heisman next year with all these quarterbacks departing. Ed, let's talk about the NFL draft. Uh, so let's start with the top 10 prospects in the 2021 NFL draft. Obviously, we're here in the beginning of February. Uh, A lot of things are going to change from now up until the draft, but I think we have a pretty good indication of who the top guys are going to be. So let's start with number 10. Count it down all the way to number one. Okay, well, I mean, my number 10 is Patrick Sertain II. Um, You know, he's had a great career at Alabama, has been, you know, one of the top corners in college football i mean he you know he had a lot of success at alabama um you know was a shutdown corner teams will pay a premium and draft a premium to to get a corner so um yeah patrick Sertain is on my list i keep realizing how old i am i I keep i remember watching his dad play for the miami dolphins and he was a pretty good corner and now i'm watching patrick Sertain the second um, leaving college already and, and moving on to the NFL draft. Who's the next man up? Well, I think this name's going to kind of surprise you, and I know you're going to disagree, but I really like what I see from Marvin Wilson, and I know I know he's he didn't have a great year, but this guy is, is absolutely, I mean, he's an absolute beast. He's dominant in the run game. He's dominant in the pass in pass rush. I really think highly of Marvin Wilson and to be honest with you, I mean for me he's he's a top 10 prospect and you know if I, if I'm a team waiting, you know, in the second half of the first round, I, I mean that this is a guy I target. I mean you got to watch his senior film. Watch a couple of games. I mean he was absolutely atrocious before he went down with an injury. He was bad. The things that we saw from him as a junior, they were good. We we saw flashes of it. I thought he was going to build on it, but I watched a couple of games. I think I watched three during his senior year before he went down with an injury. I didn't see him on the football field. We make a lot of jokes about Quiddy Pay, the defensive end from Michigan, but Marvin Wilson is he's a day three prospect at this point. And I don't think he's going to be able to resurrect his his stock because we're not going to have the scouting combine. I watched him during the Senior Bowl. I was trying to see some flashes from him. You got to win in the one-on-ones. And he was brutal there as well. I don't know if he was injured. He did participate. He did play. I don't think his agent would risk him you know, re-aggravating an injury. I completely disagree with this. I mean, if I had Marvin Wilson in the first round in the beginning of this year, I mean, he fell out of the first round pretty quickly after the first couple of games. All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe you're you're smarter than the rest of us. How about number eight? 
I really like this kid, Trey Lance, and I mean, to be honest with you, to have him number eight just kind of shows the talent of this quarterback class. Um, you know, he's probably my fourth quarterback, but I mean, he was very dominant at North Dakota State. I mean, he's a dual threat quarterback, um, and we're seeing, you know, in the NFL, these dual threat quarterbacks being very successful. We're also going on record here because Ed Hunt is putting an FCS prospect in the top 10 here. I mean, Trey Lance is unlike any other that we've seen before since Carson Wentz days. I'm proud of you, Ed, because I, I stick up for the small school guys on, on this show and on the website as well. So it, it's good to hear him, uh, to see Trey Lance in the top 10 here. Good. I'm glad we agree on something. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my, my number seven, I think, would surprise you a little bit. Um Liam Eichenberg, I, I like him out of Notre Dame. I, I see a lot of good traits. I see I see a very polished prospect, and you know he he came from a very good line at Notre Dame. And um, you know, granted Notre Dame's strength was their defense, but I mean this is a this is a guy who you can put on your blind side, and you always overdraft these guys. But I I, I really like the tape that I see from him. I like him as well. Have no argument here putting him in the top ten. I'm not sure he's a left tackle, but I don't have a problem with that. We've seen right tackles being drafted in the top 10, and they're just as important in today's NFL. So if he's the next Jack Conklin, you know, for the next 10 years, I'm willing to take that. And I'm willing to take Eichenberg in the top 10. So I completely agree with that. Most people aren't as high on on Eichenberg. I, I think I've seen him somewhere in the second round. Not a lot of people are putting him in the first round. I like him as a top 10 prospect as well. Cool. Number six, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I really like the toughness that he played in some big games. Um, I think in a different year, he might even be a number one overall pick. Um, just, you know, the fact is, is this is a loaded quarterback class, so he's going to get kind of pushed down. Justin Fields had a great career. I mean, some there were times where scouts were saying they like Justin Fields more than Trevor Lawrence. That's a stretch, but still... You know, I, 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 I really think highly of Justin Fields. All right, who's your number five? Um, I'm going to go with this guy, Penny Sewell. Um, he's had a great career at Oregon. Um, granted, he didn't play this year, but he's kind of earned his way, and, he, you know, he's he's going to be the first... He's going to be the first tackle taken off the board. And, you know, I mean, a team like the Bengals are going to be looking for him, and there's always teams that need to build up their offensive line. So, yeah, this is this is a good pick. Yeah, it looks too perfect here. The Bengals at number five draft the man out of Oregon and Panay Sewell. It's going to be interesting. It's just, it sounds too good to be true. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a, another team that takes him ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, number four. Surprise me here. Well, I, I really like Kyle Pitts, and I, I know I know he's a tight end, and I think that's the knock on him, but man, he is just such a dynamic receiver. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you had it over again, would you take Travis Kelsey in the top four? And I would say yes. I mean, you, you see what Travis Kelsey has done for the Kansas City Chiefs. A tight end can really change your offense. You don't always have, your pass catcher doesn't always have to be a receiver. And I think this is a guy who is going to be a very dynamic receiver in the league. I mean, he's got a lot of strengths. He can help you in the blocking game. Um, you know, he's he's kind of that Darren Waller, and I think he's actually even a rich man's Darren Waller. So I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts, number four. Yeah, if we would have had the, the scouting combine, I mean, Kyle Pitts would have killed it because he's just so long, so fast. 
absolutely. He is he's an incredible weapon. We we saw what he did in his last year at Florida. He was a big big help to Kyle Trask, and I would say he was the main reason why uh, why why Trask put up those numbers because in the couple of games that he was out. Trask looked like a lost puppy because he would always look at at Kyle Pitts in the middle of the field to kind of bail him out. We've seen tight ends go in the top 10. We saw it two years ago with TJ Hawkinson at eight, and Kyle Pitts is a far more superior athlete than Hawkinson. He's not as good of a blocker, but he's more of a receiving threat than Hawkinson was. And then we've seen some guys in previous years, right? We've seen uh, Eric Ebron go to... The Detroit Lions at 10, trying to refresh my memory. Vernon Davis in 2006 went sixth overall to the San Francisco 49ers. And I would say from a athletic standpoint, maybe not as big, but uh, Kyle Pitts kind of matches up with what Vernon Davis brought to the table. And then in 2004, we had Kellen Winslow Jr. that went sixth overall to the Browns. So, I mean, Kyle Pitts can be a top five pick regardless of the position that he plays. He was he certainly dominated this year. Uh, we're getting to the top three picks here. I'm going to go with Devonta Smith as my number three prospect. Um, you know what, just just the production that he's had in college, I just, I just think this is a guy who's going to continue to succeed at the NFL level. Um, I think he's going to exceed expectations. You're really the only knock I really see on this guy is his size, but you put him in the slot and you win in the slot, and, and all these teams love to win in the slot, and that's really becoming more and more of a popular thing to do. You see good teams win in the slot as well. So, I mean, he doesn't have to be an outside receiver to be an elite receiver in this league. What the fact is is that he can change an offense. Um, I'm going to go with Devonta Smith. Uh, not a lot of weaknesses. I just hope he goes to the right team. I mean, if if Smith just went to the Rams or the 49ers, I would say, I mean, this guy would be in the Hall of Fame. But if this guy is going to be is going to be stuck on on a bad offense with no imagination to kind of move him and use motion and and throw him the ball on some bubble screens and use him on jet sweeps, I mean, that's probably the the worst thing that could happen to Devontae Smith, but I'm hoping he goes to the right offense with a creative offensive coordinator that will be uh doesn't matter where he lines up, outside or in the slot, just get him the damn ball. Surprise me here. I'm I'm just I'm I'm dying. I'm waiting for you to say Zach Wilson is my top quarterback prospect in the 2021 NFL draft, and I have him as the the number one guy on the board. I mean, are you gonna go for the jugular here? Gosh, you know, you just can't argue with with the guy at the top. That's 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 my thing. So, I, yeah, I am gonna go. I am gonna go with uh, Zach Wilson as my number two. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad. Like a lot of the 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 media caught on with Zach Wilson. I mean, he was dominant in the bowl game. He really showed that. You know, he was dominating at the level that he was playing at. This is a guy who's going to be very dynamic. He's going to, you know, be able to escape the pocket. You know, he, he's got good accuracy. He's got good arm strength. Um, you know, you put him in a good offense, and I think Zach Wilson, I, I, you know, you know, if the Jets hold on to their number two pick and they don't get to Sean Watson, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a great pick for them. This is a no-brainer because I think in that offense with the Kyle Shanahan system, uh, with Mike LaFleur coming over, he brings that same system that they ran with the 49ers. He would be dynamic off of those play-action passes, on the move, 
throwing from different arm angles and just you know having that quick release having that arm strength and that accuracy yeah Zach Wilson is certainly a, a prize and no surprise at number one obviously the man who's been called a generational talent by many out there gets the nod for the top spot yeah I mean I'm, I'm gonna say it it's Trevor Lawrence I mean just the fact of the matter is is that he won a national championship as a freshman um, you know, he, he, he did struggle a little bit in his sophomore year, but I mean, his struggle is nothing compared to, you know, a lot of these other quarterback struggles. He's been dominant. I mean, he, when he's on, he's on and he's accurate. He's got a good arm. Uh, you know, he ha- he he just has all the traits. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. You know, he's a winner. You know, he's got the arm talent. You know, he can he can actually even help you in the run game a little bit. You know, he, he's got the good personality been involved in some activism um you know i thought i thought he handled himself well at the heisman ceremony this is this is just kind of like that no-brainer number one pick makes sense i mean and the jacksonville jaguars are going to get him at number one and we'll see what he's going to be able to do in uh, urban meyer's system out there daryl bevel is going to be his offensive coordinator and and bevel has coached some very good quarterbacks out there he's been with the green bay packers he's coached russell wilson uh, with the seattle seahawks and he's coached matthew stafford the last couple of years and stafford looked like a a better player uh, with bevel as his as his guy in his ear so a lot of experience out there, so Lawrence is going to get a, a pretty good offensive coordinator. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Uh, we'll come back next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Take care.